It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome everybody back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and today I have recurring guest on Lucas Kaplan of Nets Daily, Roll Call Sports, and anything else. I feel like you're adding something new every week. Lucas, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be back on. Uh, haven't written anything for Roll Call in a while. I'm trying to get my ideas uh, in order for some more general NBA stuff, but on Nets Daily... I'm trying to write something about Dayron Sharp right now. If I get it together, should be out sometime early next week. So I'm I'm doing good. Good, good stuff. Yeah, your Kessler Edwards piece was awesome. I think we're going to talk a lot about him. Um, and and just the well, we'll probably talk about everything, dude. Every single time we do one of these, it's like an hour and a half. So I'm sure you know even Javon Carter will be brought up his 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 pull up middies somehow, some way, but. Um, yeah, man, I, it's, it's good to hear that you've been tapping into that stuff. Um, you know, and we, we need somebody to do it. I feel like I've been doing a lot of, uh, general stuff right now. So I'm happy that, that people are able to get some content on, I guess, this exciting rookie class, but, uh, yeah, let's, let's start here. I mean, topical as always, uh, Kevin Durant injured for four to six weeks with an MCL sprain, uh, just kind of. I mean, it's been a weird reaction. I was there in person when it happened, and I had no idea what happened. I just saw him start limping. I thought he banged knees, and then I actually saw the replay of it and uh, was not sure how it was going to work out. And in a way, it feels like a sigh of relief that it's only this. But also, we just had probably the most fun Nets game of the year in Chicago with the big three, and now it's like, oh, well, we probably got to wait all the way until what, like March, until we get to see this team whole again. It's, it's yeah. like this team will never be one. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's what KD said after uh, Kyrie little t- turned his ankle in Portland. If it's not one thing, it's another. And no, in a way, it, it, I'm sure we'll get to this, but it's really setting up like the last year's West Coast trip part two. Because if you remember, they went to Golden State and. That was kind of last year's version of this Bulls game where they just ran the Warriors out of the gym. Kyrie had a billion highlight plays. Harden had 18 assists, whatever. And then KD, I think, gets hurt the next game. And then the rest of that road trip is just Kyrie and Harden doing it themselves. So looks like we're going to get part two of that. But, yeah, it's a sigh of relief that if you close your eyes and you fast forward two months, you know, hypothetically, you'd still have a month and change before the playoffs. KD gets some rest on his legs. If you want to be super optimistic, he should be fine. But it's just another tough pill to swallow when it feels like rooting for a super team should be a lot more fun and stress-free than this. Are you worried at all about like them not having a ton of reps together? Because I'm not, but I also recognize that they have not had a lot of reps together. <laughs> it's going to be probably 
let's say the Kyrie thing doesn't get sorted out too soon in terms of home games. They'll have, what, less than 20, around 20 total games together as a big three in two years going into the playoffs. I, I don't really know how to feel about it. I feel like I need to talk to someone more, uh, you know, experienced, like NBA coaching to get their take on it. But um, it's going to be weird. On one hand, you know, teams don't really have film of the Nets' big three intact and not over a whole series besides uh, Boston. But it's like we're the Nets were already dealing with this with Kyrie. So I feel like I don't know if it's diminishing returns, like they don't have a lot to be worried about, or if they should be even more worried because they already have the Kyrie situation. Yeah, I. Um, that's an interesting point. I remember, I, I want to say another coach mentioned that last year. It was just like the difficulty of scouting the Nets. Um even so, I do feel like teams have pulled certain things from the little bit that we got. Like the 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 double teams that I think have started to happen off Harden this year, where it's like when he gives it up, his man is going to double. We basically saw that from game one. The Bucks were doing that, and that's pretty much carried throughout the year. So I think you can piece together things. But when they're whole and just like the actions that they run, um, you know, you don't have to run anything complex. Like that's the beauty yeah. of it. So I think with that in mind it gives the Nets the ability to be like, hey, we actually don't really need that much, you know, continuity between these guys. Does right. it help? Sure. Uh, but these guys all know how to play and you can put them anywhere and they're going to be, they're going to be who they are. Like that's why they're star players. They're not affected by situation a ton. I mean, you obviously need somewhat of an ecosystem around them, but yeah, um, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I, the biggest, I think, thing that I'm looking out for is just like not the attrition on the player's yeah, that are still here, and I think Harden's the big one. That uh, damn, I even retweeted it today. Uh, that somebody brought up. I think it was Brian Mahoney of AP brought up, and I think that's that's something you obviously want to watch for. Um, I on that note, Harden's looked. I we keep. I feel like we've done like ten pods and said, "Oh, this might be when he's turning the corner." I feel like this is the best I feel about that right now. I agree. Um, I do also agree with your point that for me, it's not so much about continuity, but like, are these guys' legs in a good position heading into the playoffs? Just are they fresh? You know, are they spry? That to me is way more important than continuity. And the Nets would agree based on what they did last year with the rest. But Harden at this point, I, I feel pretty comfortable settled in on him that he still has the Harden we all know and love and traded for in him. I think when you're playing him four games and five nights, you know, five games and eight nights, whatever the case may be, 40 minutes a night, and he's initiating every offensive possession, there are going to be a lot of possessions where he just doesn't have that burst. But I feel pretty comfortable saying he still has that in him. I think rest is going to be pretty important for him. It sucks now that KD is hurt and they can't rest him maybe as much as they would have liked to. But if he is fresh, you know, if he is going into the playoffs with maybe less of a workload in that last month, I feel very good about him being James Harden and having turned that corner. I think what I've noticed in recent games is even if he's not particularly explosive all the time, the handle is night and day compared Mm -hmm. to uh, October, November. Well, he's also shooting the three ball well, which is like the thing that we don't really want to say out loud about Harden. But like, man, his game, it's not dependent on the three, but it certainly aesthetically just functions a lot better. That's that's not like breaking news. Like, yeah, players play better yeah. when they're shooting the three ball. Well, that's the whole 
way the league is predicated. But him shooting the way he has has really, I think, opened things up. The, the step back three, which I've found to be a pretty like overrated weapon this year, um, has actually been like really pretty functional. Um, and and it just yeah, I mean, I think part of it's that he's like really piecing together like multi level dribbling moves like multi-step yeah. moves with it really they, they it, it like looks like he's actually creating separation now which i think is pretty nice um i mean and it also helps like the guys that he has around him um you know the, we'll, we'll get into the rookies a little bit but just he's got so much more room to operate and i think mentally for him that just allows him to fl- you know flash the bag a little bit like show what he's got to a degree so um, yeah, it's. I, I feel pretty good about Harden right now. I, I don't think he's like quite that, you know, apex Harden. Now I say that now, and with KD out, one of the things I am also watching for is like, do we get the MVP run from Harden? Because I don't think that's completely out of the question at all, huh. especially with the way he looked um, in the second half of yesterday's game against the Pelicans. So there's that other version where we're like, oh man, like I, this guy just needed a couple months. He needed the right guys around him. Um, I think he has that now. So yeah, I, I think it could be either or, but at the very least, I do feel like if he's not MVP caliber hardened, he's certainly like firmly, firmly a top, what, I mean, 10, 15, 10, out of the range. Yeah. Like, like he's, yeah. he's in there, like he's in the mix. He's looking like what you want him to, and what you're going to need him, um, to look like, to like really ascend to where this team wants to go. Yeah, I mean, I think we all sort of agree at this point. There's the A1 tier, which is sort of the Jokic, Giannis, Steph, KD, Embiid, LeBron tier. And last year's Harden is firmly, firmly in that grouping to me. Yeah, like top of that grouping. Like like that good. Like argument for the – I last year, I still – you know, he had an argument to me for best player in the world just because he was – in my mind, pretty easily the best pick and roll player in the world. And that is the predominant mode of offensive creation. So just by virtue of that alone, he deserves a shout. Um, The three point shooting for him is funny because it's like, no matter what, you know, he's taking a certain number of step back threes a game. And if he makes two more of those or two less of those, that just drastically affects, you know, from a mathematical perspective, like how many points he's generating on his possessions but it's not changing because he's going to shoot those no matter what um it will be interesting to see if he can get back to mvp mvp harden um on this road trip because since the houston trade and you know pre-bubble there has been i think normal decline gradual decline uh that showed up like even last year when he was playing you know at that level um, so I wouldn't be surprised if like we start, we still see little signs of that, but as long as it's not the sort of cliff shape that I think we were all worried about this year, yeah. you know, he's capable of carrying this team to wins. Yeah. I think like little things. So I noticed like the lift, like the lift when he's going, I get it was his right hamstring. He tore. Yeah. My or Yeah. So when he's coming yeah. off that leg at the rim, um, that's where you see like the missed layups, like the ones that like, you're like, wait, how did he miss that? I feel, you know, just the little bit that I've noticed, I think his lift is a little bit shot. The burst I think has been pretty good. I mean, he'll get stonewalled here and there, but like that was happening last year. I don't, that that's not yeah. like a, a unique thing this year. It's just because of the situation, because of him looking the way he did to start the year. I feel like I'm more, um, I'm just more on, on I guess, uh, alert for that in a way. Right. Um, 
But I think if I actually sat down and watched last year's games, I'd be like, oh, wait, that happens with some frequency as well. Uh, yeah, but that's where I see the, uh, the the aging sort of like if he turns the corner 90 out of 100 times in 2019, like he kind of loses the ball or stumbles or a defender can get in front of him maybe now like 95 to- or 85 times, something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I, I think that'll be fun. I, I Let's talk quickly about Kyrie. Uh, you know, the status is what it is. Um, and I don't think, I mean, Lord knows, I don't think anybody else needs to provide analysis on it. But what have you thought of him so far? So it's been good that he had sort of his little nice warm-up games, I think, before KD got hurt. It feels fitting. It's like, all right, Kyrie, you know, we have James and we have KD on the court. You can find a, You can kind of find your spots get into a rhythm, you know, take a bunch of 14, 15 foot fallaways, but Katie's hurt and we're going on the road and we need some wins. So now it's time to be Kyrie, which I guess is a long way, a long winded way of saying he hasn't been Kyrie, but there's been nothing that makes me say, Oh, he is not going to be Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, he looks like a guy that hasn't played, not only hasn't played NBA, you know, basketball in seven months, but hasn't been around an NBA team with NBA coaches and NBA practices for yep. seven months. So, you know, it's not like a guy who like a clay Thompson, even who was injured, but doing intensive rehab and G league scrimmages, like Kyrie is starting as close to from scratch as you can get for being an NBA player walking into the season in January. Um, and he looks that way, you know, like some of the defensive possessions have been, you know, all right he's on a super team and it's January. Like I get it. Um, but I'm excited to see if now he thinks that, you know, I can no longer do that on this road trip. We need to get wins. So I hope we get to see him really exert himself at a hundred percent. I don't know if he's there yet conditionally or condition wise to be able to do that. So these next two weeks are going to provide me with a lot of, I think, information on him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's I, again, if you're providing silver linings about this KD thing, it's as you said uh, that a he's going to get the opportunity to kind of be Kyrie. B, it's that they have so many games on the road. Like I was just thinking about, man, as you're trying to get yourself back into shape and you're playing what like twice a week, and the team, by the way, the team has not been practicing at all. I've gotten PR updates <laughs> saying, "Yep, no practice today, no practice today," because they've been on the road or you know right. they've had so many games in the last week or so that I, I just find that to be a really difficult thing for a player who's trying to get back into NBA shape to only be having half the opportunity to do that. Um, this is going to be a really good opportunity for him to do that. I, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that the team will uh, not only lean on him, but absolutely play him a million minutes because that's all yeah. that happens to the stars. So, yep. you know, what you're hoping for is a, he gets into shape, B nothing, you know, bad happens while doing that. Um, and, and I just, you know, the little things, I think you and I have talked about like the rim pressure for him. I had something that, you know, we want to see a little bit more, um, you know, even the, the lift on him from out just from distance, you know, the pull up threes, he hasn't quite had that yet. And these are just things that I think you're going to see from a player that just hasn't played a ton. Um, defense. I don't know. I have no idea. It, it's been like the off ball defense has been, we can be real. It's he's not playing defense yet. It, yeah. I, I'm not worried, but he's not playing defense yet. It is he, what it is. I'm not. He's had some good one-on-one reps, like where he's kind of playing up in a guy, which like sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But like, yeah, yeah the off-ball D has been, and he's not alone in that. By the way, they're like no, there's possessions no. every game. 
<laughs> that yeah. So, uh, but no, I, I, I think it'll be a good opportunity for, uh, for for him to get out there and just like see what works, get loose to a degree. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'll definitely be looking for those rim pressure attempts. I think that is going to be if we're looking, you know, at it statistically, that's going to be the indicator of when he's back because he. Even, you know, jumping out of bed can get to that 14, 15 foot range because he just puts, you know, one move on you. He gets by the, that initial wall out on the perimeter. But what makes Kyrie so special, as we all know, and I've talked about, you know, since he came into the league was his ability to put together those combination moves, his ability to go like behind the back, get to the elbow and then throw another hezzy or between the legs or whatever and get to the rim. I feel like I'm ball don't stop right now, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kyrie's a real hooper and real hoopers get to the rim. So when that starts happening again, I'll be, I'll feel really good about him. He also like has added a lot of pace and I don't know if it's, it's weird because his, his return is coincided with all the rookies playing. So it's like mm-hmm. really hard for me to discern which has had a bigger impact on Harden. But ever since he's returned, I feel like Harden's played with a lot more pace. And I don't know if that's just young legs next to him or what, but I'm I'm really curious to see what the pace is for them over these next couple of weeks, um, and mm. how that's going to function, like what the lineups look like around them. It, it, it may just be the rookies thing that they just don't have like like creaky old vets out there for the most yeah. part. <laughs> like you, you kind of can actually run with some pace because these guys want to get up and down. Uh, but I, I I'm just curious to see if if Kyrie is a big like catalyst to that. Yeah, definitely. I also think it'll help that Harden has for the first time all year outside of KD, someone he can push the ball up the floor with and say, all right, I'm going to put you in a favorable position. Go one-on-one. Like, Kyrie, you're matched up with, you know, Dario Saric in transition. Like, I have nobody else on the team that I would want attacking that one-on-one besides, you know, maybe Cam Thomas and KD, obviously. Let's get you in a favorable position. Because that's what made the Nets last year so dangerous playing with pace. When they had the big three on the court, it was – okay, if we get a rebound and we get the ball over half court with 20 on the shot clock, the odds that one of us three are going to have a cross switch are very high. You know, we're 60% of the lineup. It's That's going to happen all the time. And that's what's been, you know, pretty much completely missing this year. Um, yeah, just that, that, that sort of we're going to get into one-on-one play really quickly because we're generating an advantage with, with pace. Yeah, and like, and that just puts such a pressure on the opposing team. Like, that's where you like look at the end of games, and you're like, you see the opponent just they're playing to not miss. Like, that's it because they know that they're going to get those cross matches. And I, I, I think Kyrie's probably. I mean, Harden's turned it up to a degree. He'll have possessions where he'll burn a a big on a switch. But I, Kyrie's, I think probably going to be their best switch buster in a way, which it feels weird because it was Harden firmly last year. But uh, I, that's just going to be a huge element, and. um it was just the, like the crucible that they worked in last year in the po- in the postseason. You saw that against Boston. It was like these guys were just like it was every possession. It was so tactical. You could watch them, and you you'd even see Boston like trying to pre switch out of things. Didn't matter. They would sit there. We're going to use the whole shot clock if we have to to get the the matchup we want, and then we're going to have one of Kyrie um, or or Harden, you know, pick out Kemba or or Evan Fournier. So I'd love to see more of that, man. I, I that's yeah. that stuff is fun to to watch it adds a lot of game within a game in the regular season so if we can get some of that that's that's going to be nice I'd, I'd really appreciate that definitely and we'll learn a lot about other contenders too um the nets do present that 
I guess, form of offense in a way that no other team does in the league. So these are big, you know, litmus tests, I think, for other contenders to see like, hey, Utah, let's, you know, when you guys have uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and, and Joe Ingles out there or whoever, like, can you survive against a team like this? Like, is that is that how it's going to work, even when they don't have Kevin Durant? Man, I'm upset we're not going to get to see Katie at the five in Utah um, at the end of a close game. Yeah, really looking forward to that because you just it'd be it'd be both teams just leaning into their identities fully. I, I, you know, I don't know if the Nets would have closed with Katie at the five, but I have a feeling they would have. And just seeing the contrast of styles and what to do with Rudy Gobert and four pretty porous perimeter defenders. No offense to Royce O'Neal. Yeah, no, I mean, and that that'd probably be I mean, you have to wonder. We'll see if they get Joe Harris back in time and you could even do elements of that. You can run. I, mean, I don't know what your five would be, but uh, if LMA wants to step out to the corner, if Lamarcus yeah. wants to commit to shooting threes, I think that's the closest. It's can never go. happening. We're, we did, I do this every single week. I'm like, you know, if he just does a couple more pick and pops where he takes like two steps back, it's just not happening. It, it happened for the first couple of games of last year. Then it's it's all mid range. That's why uh, he signed in Brooklyn because KD was like, bro, like I promise, like you can you I'm you can pop to 17 <laughs> feet, and Lamarcus is like, oh okay, I'll yeah. Know. It's actually hilarious. In his first presser, he mentioned something about, you know, I'm finally able to get, you know, play my game. And he was talking about, like, posting up. And I'm like, in the moment, I was like, this is kind of cool that we're doing this. And now I'm like, all right, like, this is cool. But, like, we (laughs) we please put you in the corners. Like, you're the only big man that can shoot threes on this team. Um, I begged him to stand in the corner for five years. And then he did it for half a year. And he's like, (laughs) I'm off this. Oh, this team's the best. It's the ball don't stop Nets. Um, let's talk about the rookies. We buried the yes. lead. I, I feel like that's all anybody wants to talk about. And that's all I want to talk about, too. It's like, for me, this the rookies have added so much renewed interest in the Nets. Because um, I'll be honest, like, the first two months, some games would be good. Some games I'd be like, dude, like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, this is, I just don't need to watch James Johnson and DeAndre Bembry you know, on the weak side of the floor, spacing for James Harden. Like, what are we doing here? These guys have added so much energy, so much interest. Um, it's always fun to have young guys, homegrown guys play in the first place. Like, even if you're not a fan, that's something you can get into. Just because it's like, you know, you're seeing guys get their opportunity. So uh, let's start with Kessler Edwards. He did a big piece on him, really touching on, like, every aspect of his game. It's aged incredibly well. You can find it on Nets Daily. Um, I think you've already done a couple interviews on this. So I'm like, like interview number seven for you on this. You're like on a whole, a full media tour about like this I article. Out yeah. <laughs> Lucas I Sullivan. Like I feel like I just wrote blood in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you thought of his play in the last couple of games? And, and, and uh, what's like, yeah. What, just what have you thought of his play? Yeah. So the article I'll preface with the article kind of tried to look at both what is his immediate utility to the Nets and also what is this, you know, six nine, six eight forward out of Pepperdine that can shoot gonna be in the league long term. Because I've really enjoyed some articles I've written this year on young players like Devin Vassell, Herb Jones, Cam Reddish, sort of looking at the big picture. And I want to do that, and I did do that a little bit with Kessler Edwards, but you know, the Nets are winning a title or trying to win a title right now. Um and if Kessler Edwards is going to be anything on this Brooklyn Nets team, it's going to be in the immediate future when he's surrounded by this group of players. Uh, one of the 
these sort of highlights of that article is like, yes, three and D, which we'll get into, but like, man, he's just like an athletic body, strong, lively legs. And I think that's what we saw when he first got, you know, real burn. Like that's just that youth, that, that energy, that juice that, you know, when you see it, you know, and it's been inspiring Harden to push the pace. He's been getting out there. Um, the shooting, I think, I think is real. I mean, I wasn't too worried about that, but just we are getting larger and larger sample sizes as the time goes by, and he is still around 40%. Um, if you combine all of his G League and NBA attempts, I think we're at about 100 almost, and I think it's 38 39%. And more importantly, defenses are now realizing, like, we can't leave this guy in the corner. Like, it's just yep. too high value of a shot for the Nets, like, you know, it's not as simple as, oh, make Kessler Edwards take the shot. You know, we don't want Harden and KD shooting. Like teams are respecting his ability to shoot that three ball. And, you know, yesterday he came off a little cut, caught it at the elbow, turned and faced, hit a jumper. So the jumper is real and he's an athletic guy. And, you know, I'm sure you can, you know, touch on what you've seen defensively, but Everybody gets put in this box, but three and D wing, he can play, you know, great ancillary piece around stars. It's been a great start to the Kessler Edwards era. Yeah. Um, he's been a delight, like just the type of player that I think you and I just love watching. I mean, I think you're as high on defense as I am. Um, but I just, the, the shooting it's what I, the reason I'm buying the mechanics and just the general, I guess, product of his three-point shot is that they're mixing in different things for him. Um, you know, the pick and pops we've started to see with a little more frequency. They ran an actual like relocation three for him yesterday. Where I don't, I, I'm trying to remember. I, I should have clipped this. I, I meant to do that this morning, but um, I, I want to say he came off a stagger. Maybe it was just a pin down, but regardless, he came off a screen, spun and set his feet, and in in a shot that I just wasn't sure if he was going to have like in the first two years, I because you saw it in summer league. Right. Like, I think uh, our guy, Mark light uh, pointed this out in the summer, just talking about how he wasn't sure if Kessler Edwards was going to be somebody that can, you know, make those type of shots, make shots where he's coming off the screen. Is he just a standstill guy? So for him mm-hmm. to already do that in January when he's played, I mean, you know, only a handful of games, uh, and these are his first four games of getting real, real playing time, I think is a good sign. And I think it's a good sign that that's like a, an action they're actually working in. Like that shows a lot of confidence from the staff. Defensively, um, you know, it's he's, I, A, he's gotten really tough assignments. Um, he's a very good screen navigator. Like if Kessler Edwards was, mm-hmm. was if he was 6'3", I'd love his screen navigation. He's like 6'8", 6'7", 6'8". And he's huge. He's huge. It's not like he's a he's he's a hard target to screen. It's it's insane. It's like and you know I mean I I so that's been great. Uh, his ability to get in front is impressive. He's he moves pretty well laterally. Um, and then you you kind of touched on it. Just like his vert affords him mm. so much of a lifeline. Uh, you know even if he's not fully caught up. Let's say he gets slightly caught up on a on a screen. He's trying yeah. to recover back. He can jump in front and get a hand up because of that. I found his closeouts to be like really, really impressive. Like maybe third best on the team next to KD and Clax. Um, yeah. He because he just again he's got springs in his feet. He'll take two steps and he's like fully in the guy's airspace. 
Um, and I think the last thing I'll touch on is, yeah, he's a rookie. Like, guys have gotten him. DeMar DeRozan got him a couple times. Brandon Ingram put him in the spin cycle. Um, and not to get, like, too cliche, like, Twitter coachy, but he hasn't really let that affect him. And I, I, I do think that deserves some praise as well. Like, these are not tough matchups that he's taking on. And he's remained consistent and had an impact on DeMar and, and Levine specifically all throughout the entire game. So yeah. uh, really impressive. Yeah, just a, another good counter that they have there. And that wing depth of him and Bembry suddenly doesn't feel like so empty. I just, you no. know, people are talking about, oh, they need wings. They need wings. Like, yeah, I, they could probably, every team could use another wing, but I'm really buying the Kessler Edwards thing. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't trade him. And uh, I, he, what, he's the rookie. I would not trade the most just because I think he can afford them like the most utility right now. If he plays 25 minutes a night for the next three months, two months, what are you going to do? Are you going to not play him in the playoffs? If he keeps playing like this, I mean, he's going to have like a one for 12 from three stretch, you know, it's inevitable. It'll happen. Um, And yeah, he's gotten got a few defensive possessions for sure. As every player in the league will do. And the rookie moments have been there. Like he's going to need to, get better at remaining aware off the ball you know sometimes he does the classic rookie thing where he hunts like a steal or or deflection in the passing lane turns his head totally towards the ball and you know doesn't see his man relocating for three or on Um, dig downs as well like if he digs down on the ball yeah yeah he he makes like a 360 he completely turns so like you're a little bit worried about him guarding movement shooters in that respect um you know if he's playing if he's guarding like or even ben somebody Hatton. like Tatum, like if you if you guard Tatum and you and you you know you put him on that, like Tatum's going to relocate pretty well. Jalen Brown's going to yeah. relocate pretty well. Great, I don't play make the playoffs. <laughs> they to make the playoffs first. So <laughs> we have a while to get there, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I before we move on from Kessler Edwards, um, I would love to talk about the two point finishing because we've texted about. That oh, we this is our this is like our first disagreement about anything. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah. The last thing I'll say before that, though, is that that shot that I think you might be talking about, he came off a stagger on the left side. Yeah. And he caught the ball on the left on the elbow. Um, I'm thinking of a mid range jump shot he hit, actually. But it was where he flashed middle. Yeah. Yeah. It was super impressive to me because the way he sets up his feet when he shoots, he sort of he has to get this little hop step towards the basket. And that's why I really like him as a pick and pop guy because he's catching the ball facing the basket and that really it it allows him to sort of get that hop step towards the basket but when he's turned away from the basket that's where I thought Mark Light made that really good point like is he going to be able to set his feet and turn Mm -hmm. towards the rim and if he can do that that's super impressive but um the two-point finishing the floaties you know the uh the vertical explosion around the rim what are your thoughts on sort of his profile as an eventual two-point finisher i think he'll be fine long term i do think he'll be fine right now i think it's just a really big sore spot for him because part of it's like he's just a really good rebounder and which is great like you want it's it's been so nice to have him and and uh sharp in there like actually fighting for offensive boards um but the problem is, is like, I how many times has he been blocked from two point range? I know PVP stats will have that, but it it it's just been it's kind of weird for him to be six eight and get blocked the way he does inside the paint. I don't understand it. I think so. If I'm going to play the devil's advocate, um, I think it's because he does not he's not a very diverse finisher around the rim. Like, the yeah, it's not he. And I think 
you know, it, it, I think there's this thing where if you see a guy finish one way and then you start to see him load up to finish that way again a couple possessions later, you're a little bit more ready for it. Um, some of the blocks have been like he's got an offensive rebound and he's just in a crowd. So I'm mm-hmm. you know, sort of waiting to see how those numbers play out. But I think I just see I just see a pathway and who knows how long this will take, you know, for him. But I just see if, if guys are going to close out to him, I can see a very basic like I get to my 10 foot floater and I hop off two feet or I take two dribbles and I get to the restricted area and I just jump into guys like he had that one finish versus Toronto where he hung in the air, missed it, but then got his put back right away. Um, that it will be, I think, an eventual next step for him to just take the sort of, you know, everyone makes this comparison, but the Mikhail Bridges, like I'm shooting 65, I'm shooting 70% at the rim because like now I, I have counters. Um, again, I don't think he needs to like Bridges, as I said in the article, I've never seen him do a crossover to get to it, to get to a finish. Like it's all just one yeah. dribble pull up one, dri- two dribble finish. I'm hopeful Kessler, just based on the body type and the physicality and how he can get up, can replicate some of that. But I agree that it might be a sore spot for a while just because he does not have a lot of ways to finish. Yeah, it's uh, I, I just was a little bit of like a slow load up in general from from the rim. Like he had that, fin- I think you put it in your article where he had that little step through move. It was like mechanic. It looked like me at the oh, yeah. Y. <laughs> yeah. He looked like, it looked like a Roblox animation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, and part of that I think is he's just playing not to, I mean, it's weird. It's the only part of his game where I think he's playing not to make mistakes. Cause everything else, it seems like he's just being him, but um, I, I, it's really hard. I mean, this is just me nitpicking. Like this is kind of what I do um, is find little things to nitpick about every single guy. But right. it's it's a very strong small thing, and also like you don't really need Kessler Edwards to be scoring from two p- point range. If anything, like all you really need is those little catch and go plays where he gets run yeah. off the line, and like I, that's when I'm like I like the I like the two dribble pull up, um, the floater. I mean, he had one kind of I think almost going full court after I, I want to say it was when the Pelicans were pressing mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, where I just. I didn't know he had that. So that it'll be fun. I th- I think there's a lot more here with him. And um, yeah, I, I firmly think like if we, if he can keep the jumper going, uh, he's a guy that is, I think should be firmly a rotation guy in the playoffs. Yeah. I just, but the two point finishing is more like the long term. I think like, what mm-hmm. is he eventually? Whereas right now on this Nets team, it's okay. If he's not the greatest, like two point finisher, especially if they have the big three Kessler and a rim rolling big, or even another shooter where the space is just going to be ridiculous. I don't know how we didn't bring this up. Isn't he the five for that lineup that you said for Utah? <laughs> he is. I guess he would be. Um, right. Up and I'd like to see him get a couple more screen rolls eventually with Harden. And I know that's tricky just because of the rim numbers. But Do you like him as a screener? Let me stop you there. Oh, I do. I do. I, I like Especially his build. Rookie. I don't think he makes great contact yet. He's not like... That's- He's he's like he it's not this it's not the young guy thing where he just wants to like slip everything. It's just I don't right. think his contact's been great, which is fine by the way. He's yeah. literally twenty one. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw a couple uh, and the Bulls. He had two pick and pops. I think one was like a double drag where Dayron Dayron rolled, and another one was like sort of a Spain like screen the screener action where he set the screen then popped out to three while Dayron screened for him. On those two, I saw him like 
make some good contact and adjust. But I agree. If you're going to have him roll to the basket, you're going to want to see a little bit more. But I just think maybe he should get some opportunities so we can, like, know for sure. Uh, Just a guy with that much explosiveness, I'd like to see it. But I agree. I haven't been blown away by, like, oh, he's legit a good screener. I just think he has the body type and the attributes for it, you know? Yeah, and he's and he's a good athlete too. So, like, if you can if you can put as many um, – and I, I, I haven't mind his passing at all. I, I, I need more of a sample to, like, really get a feel yeah. for it. But he's been, like, a good extra pass guy. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be, like, a short roll guy because that's mm-hmm. reading the floor differently. But right. the extra passing, I think, has been pretty solid. And he's ambidextrous passer. He's an ambidextrous passer. Mm. He's got a few – lefty like like there was this one it's in the article he got two offensive rebounds on a plane each time he like threw it cross court with his left hand out to the three-point line so that could open up some things for sure the last thing i'll say on kessler i just pulled it up field goal percentage at the rim 48 percent. his unblocked field goal percentage around the rim is 59 percent. so he's what getting blocked how would that be Fifty, if it's 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 fifty nine percent, it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything too great <laughs> for wings. Maybe inching towards fifty percentile, probably not. But you know, we'll see. I'm sure if he makes two layups in the open court, it'll go up to like seventy percent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll see on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We talked a little bit about screening, uh, getting out in the short roll, open floor. I feel like we had to talk about Dayron Sharp, who yep. has been... Really fun. I, I, I'll be honest. Like I did not have uh, many, if any, expectations for Sharp. I wasn't sure if he was going to play this year. Uh, I was not maybe as high on him as other people. As, you know, again, maybe that was me just being uh, silly and and you know, I tried my best not to over you know overreact to summer league. I really did, but um, he's been good. I, he's been really yeah. really solid. He's been a big reason. That I think we've seen Harden look as good as he has. Uh, the screen setting is real. He's got a lot of nuance to the way he sets screens. Um, you know, not just in terms of like, you know, setting a good rescreen, but there was a play, I think it was against Chicago, where it was Harden going up the left side of the floor. Sharp is there. So they have, they. it's all set up to run an empty side yeah. pick and roll, which stresses your help defenders. And instead of coming on Harden's left side, he went on the right side, so that he set the screen and rolled, and he rolled right down the sideline. So the big difference there mm-hmm. is if he'd set it on the right side or Harden's left side, the defender's right side, he would have rolled middle. But he took right. it on the left side so that he's rolling along the sideline. So little things like that. It's really mm-hmm. small details that you just haven't seen. I'm sorry. like every, I feel like everything turns into this weird like Claxton versus Sharp thing. But... That's those are the little things that we haven't quite seen from Claxton yet that Sharp's already doing. No, I mean the classic like let's fuse Claxton and Sharp thing, it would work so well, which is why I think everybody's sort of made that joke. Um but yeah, no, Sharp 
I love the way you just don't expect someone to see the game in Sharp's body at his age the way that he does. And I mean, him coming out of UNC, my whole thing was, at least in terms of the Nets fit, like how many of these skills are going to be valuable to the Nets right now, even if they're cool skills for him to have, like the floor mapping, sort of the ambidextrous passing. It's like, man, that's fun. Like you don't expect a 6'11", beefy, like 270-pound guy to be able to do that. Um, He has good lateral mobility, which I've been impressed by. Like if he catches it off the roll, his little hop step to get Mm -hmm. around defenders – He's very like quick and shifty, like left to right. I mean, I think we all sort of grew up with those athletes like that in school where they're a bit husky, like, you know, they're they're just big and you bounce off of them. But it's like, whoa, like this guy can like move left to right and he's just shifty, you know. Uh, I don't think that um, the drop defense has been as much of an issue as I maybe would have expected it to be after summer league, after hearing some G League stuff. But I would like the Nets to play a real good pick and roll. Like, you're going to go over this screen. I'm just going to attack the big, like sort of a Ja Morant-esque sort of guy. You know, it doesn't have to – we don't have to go for the top right away. But something like that. I'd like to see him get attacked and pick and roll a little bit more because I have some thoughts. Oh, I do too. Uh, I haven't liked him in drop at all. Uh, And it hasn't been as bad as Summer Granted, it's summer. No. Like I don't even know what you say to that, but um, just the, and I, I mentioned it a couple of times. I did a big thread on uh, on the Nets Bulls game, just talking kind of about his ability to track both the roller and mm-hmm. the ball handler, like that task. And you actually saw Blake Griffin in that same game. I think you clipped it also, saying it was uh, it was Blake's best defensive <laughs> rep of the year, and it was like night and day because it came what a couple minutes yeah. after you know, Sharp loses the roller. It's on these pick and rolls where he's got the roller. He's kind of in his peripheral there. You know, he's, he's technically, he's in good, good position where the big man isn't behind him. Cause whenever that happens, you're screwed at that it's point. A- if you're running a pick and roll, it's a lob. He's got the big man positionally where he needs to be, but then he turns his body and faces the ball handler or it goes the other way. And it's, it's just something that I think Zach Lowe did a big piece uh, on man, it might have been Bam out of bio. It could have been it went some big man. He did a big profile on kind of talking about that, and um, and and it's just something I've noticed so far with Sharp yeah. is like that's going to be a big growth point. No, me too. He doesn't really monkey in the middle it too well, you know. Like yeah, he, he either takes away one or the other, and um, you have an explosive finisher and, and roller. It's going to be tough obviously for any big, but especially if you're not taking away sort of the easy pass, like in the Bulls game, like they didn't even have to throw lobs. You know, the window was just right there uh, because he would either overcommit to the ball handler or just not commit and stay, you know, too far towards the, the roller. Um, The other thing is that I don't love his positioning when guys are coming downhill, like he'll get shifted on a Euro step pretty easily because he's just so high, you know, he's not really high hips, high hips, and it's not an athletic stance. So like, if a guy Euro steps, he's going to fly towards that first step. And then it's a layup. Um, It just sort of limits his reaction time. I mean, if you're on like draft Twitter, and all the nerds are talking about like high hips, high hips, high hips, like it can be overdone, (laughs) but he has some high hips and he he looks a little bit stiff out there. Less stiff. Less stiff, though. I think they've done a lot of work on – 
he's done a lot of work on his body and just his general flexibility. Like the little hop step that he did uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, I think against the Pelicans. I just don't know if he would have made that move. Maybe he would have. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't watch college, so I could be totally speaking out of pocket here. But uh, that's a move I just I wasn't sure if we were going to see. A lot of those type of balletic finishes were not so balletic in the in the uh, in summer league. He was pretty below the rim. Right now, I think he's getting a little bit better lift. So uh, yeah, it's I, I I it's it's improving. I, I want to give him that. Let me say some positives because he's been fun and we just spent five minutes being like, and eh, this is where he struggles, which he yeah. does, but <laughs> it's true. But let, let me just be positive and I don't want people to say I don't like Dayron. He runs the floor like an animal. Awesome to see. Uh, great, great offensive rebounding instincts. Like I'm going to clip this one play in my article, but it's from Portland where the ball sort of just bounces on the rim four or five times. Everyone jumps after the third bounce. He just jumps after the fourth. He's alone. He gets it. He just has a great sense for when the ball is going to come off the rim. The passing, I think, will be there. Who knows how valuable valuable it'll be, but it'll be there. And he's had he's had some pretty good reps guarding ball handlers on the perimeter. Um, is he? That's a what I was going to ask you. Is That's he? What I was going to ask you. Do we have another switch big? Oh man, is that? That's what I was going to ask you. I don't think he's a switch big. I do want them to explore schemes with him. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know what it would mean, like giving him I, more space to guard. Yeah, because he has. I I found that he has pretty quick hands. So like something like, mm-hmm. I mean, could you hedge and recover him? I, I they don't do that with any of their oh. bigs. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to play a, a guard that just it doesn't really take a lot of pull up threes, and you know, we don't see that in the NBA a lot for that reason. But I could see that. I mean, if the Nets had the wing, the low men to do this, I'd love. That's to see my problem. Trap. But maybe if you well, play Kessler and KD and you get in KD's face and you say, protect the rim today, then I think you could do it. Um, but yeah, I think he doesn't have my thing with Dayron Long like this year. I don't think he has a tried and true defensive scheme yet, like that we know really works for him and that he excels in. And that's not even really a diss. It's more like he could be good at some different things, but we just don't have the reps for that yet. So I don't know if he's going to be, you know, a playoff rotation guy, but he's been really good. Um, yeah, he's been really good. He's been everything they've asked and more, and he's getting better in a short amount of time, which is always a great sign. Yeah, I agree. And I like even the little things, like the you know that he adds somebody that can you know capably guard the post. That's nice. That's just somebody, another guy you could throw out there that isn't uh, named Blake Griffin, which is you know. Yeah an experience on offense we'll put it that way uh <laughs> it's so it's that part is really nice yeah i i don't know we'll see what it looks like in the playoffs i i worry when teams have more tape and just more time to mm-hmm. adequately prepare and actually are i mean it's not like they're not preparing uh in the regular season because obviously you have a team of scouts that are coming up with things every game but when they're really keying on the net's weaknesses um Right. That that'll be something I think will come up. Uh we I and I, let me let me say this and uh you know we we talked about the rebounding, the tip-ins, like I just think he's got great touch around the rim, the knowledge of when to do tip-ins. And I, the big thing for me and why I think it's not only makes sense to play him but they should be playing him is just again, the impact that he's had on James Harden has just breathed new life into everything the Nets do. And I think 
even if you don't feel like, hey, maybe maybe this isn't going to be like a huge impact guy in the postseason, just playing this guy that gives Harden like a little bit of that extra zip, that pizzazz, that um, just extra energy and, and kind of, because I think there is a little bit of a confidence thing there for James, um, rebuilds that to a degree is so, so important. So it's been a huge addition for them. Definitely. I Last thing on Sharp I want to touch on, the vertical athleticism. You know, that is sort of a question for me. Mm -hmm. And it's Sharp has highlighted the fact that Harden is just a ridiculous lob. So good. Like, so good. It's so, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous because he's like, okay, Sharp can jump about this high. So I have to put the ball right here. And the windows are tighter with a guy like Sharp versus a guy like Claxton, but it just doesn't matter for Harden. Um, He doesn't have to really even be looking at the target. I mean, I think. Yeah, that's definitely an underestimated skill, I think, in the NBA, just because you figure, oh, these guys jump out of the gym and throwing a lob, you just have to get it near the rim. But, man, the timing, the pinpoint accuracy is is really incredible. Um, but with Sharp, I'm not going to say that this is like a full-on negative yet or it really worries me, but he is not the most explosive vertical athlete. And that is something that, you know, is I don't know how much that's going to inhibit his rim finishing like I think Nets fans will have noticed by now if you've been watching the games he has a lot of like double pump triple pump hang in the air finishes which is you hate not these really <laughs> I don't like them when you're six to left that big when listen Robert Covington we all know like oh he's the low man defender post Draymond like he's the one but like when Robert Covington is coming over to protect the rim and he's six eight and you're six eleven like I don't want to see you get up there and flow in the air like John Morant. I just think those over time will turn into misses. Like he doesn't, but it's a bucket though. (laughs) Oh God. Channel your ball. Don't stop dude. Hooper's hoop. Oh God. Just wait till he hits like a three, like a John wall, like three sixty layup. Yeah. I mean, that hasn't bothered me yet. I'll be honest. Um, Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe maybe it's a, because here's the thing, like, I I would rather you do that than just get stuffed. Like, the same thing that I just criticized, because what's the alternative? Oh. I guess play a little more through contact? Play through contact, or maybe if you're going to do that, like maybe a pump fake and a dr- or something like that, which we haven't seen yet. But no, you're right. I mean, he's, you know, in those moments, he's not thinking, like, how am I going to make this the most aesthetically pleasing finish for Lucas Kaplan? He's like, I'm just trying to get this book here, so... I hear you, but I hear you. I don't. I'm to, I'm to be fair, I'm asking because I don't know how much how much I'm like thinking about that, how much I'm worried about that. Like I, you know, we don't have enough data, film or stats wise, to really see the impact of that. But it's something I'm keeping my eye on. How does his sort of lack of vertical pop around the rim relative to other, you know, six eleven, six ten centers? How do, how is it going to affect him, if at all? Yeah, um, I. I'm okay with it because he's such a below the rim athlete. I wanted to add one thing, like because I, I, you you made this point. It's really smart. Just saying the point of how good of a lob passer that Harden is. Because again, it may seem like a standard thing. Harden makes these things look really normal. He has a big man play. They've never really played together, and he's hitting them perfect in his you know uh, oop pocket. Like he's he's hitting them perfectly on these yeah. lobs. Go back to the beginning of the 2019-2020 season 
when every single Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan uh, lob was like 40 feet too high or just way off. Like, go back to that and think about how that was and then look at how Harden's been able to adjust after basically going from like a total freak, uh, total freak athlete in in Clax to Dayron Sharp, who's a little bit more like, hey, we're probably going to throw this like at rim level and I have to nail this parabola of of, yes. of the past like this needs to drop kind of directly over the defender's fingertips and i don't have this huge window to throw it to um think about that so right like Devontae graham Devonte graham was the low man yesterday on one of them and he Devontae graham is six two six three and it just missed Devontae graham's fitters and sharp just laid it in and i was like wow that's different um speaking of different Cam, Cam Thomas. Ah. <laughs> yeah, Cam is different. I mean, he can just get to the shot that he wants whenever he wants. And I think because it is not the most traditionally efficient shot and some of it looks clunky, people underestimate that. But, like, man, he can get to a shot he likes whenever he wants. And you didn't think about that being a thing the Nets would need this year, but it's a thing they need this year. And he it allows him to be more comfortable than most other rookies well like, the thing i've liked and i'm gonna be a huge hypocrite because all i said was i really want him to learn how to play off ball i'm happy he's just like saying eh, i'm really gonna do yeah, catch and shoots are cool i'm taking two dribble short range jumpers that my feet don't face the rim like those shots are he's just money from that like what 12 10 to 12 foot range yeah. 14 yeah like he's just four, yeah, yeah yeah like uh that's just like those shots yesterday that he was making were they're very much in rhythm they're shots that he clearly feels comfortable doing and i think for the sake of everybody else i think everybody else feels com- comfortable doing that because we'll see yep. uh because let's talk let's stop here uh the jumper like i know he shot well in college from catch and shoots what one year and he shot like maybe 25 30 that's that's the that's the that's the counter argument i'm a little i'm a little i'm not worried about it like because i he's really young but i i certainly i don't look at him and say yeah that's a guy that like i think the regression is coming maybe i'm wrong i don't know if it is especially if he's only taken one game like he doesn't look super like confident in terms of like i'm catching this and i'm shooting it um which I guess is what you need. And part of that is because he, he's he been emboldened in his little mid-range game. Like, I can get to this. The coaching staff, my teammates want me to get to this, and it's going well. Um, the one thing that I didn't really realize from him is that he has he's explosive. Like, he gets up. He has these thick legs, but he can really, like, get off the ground. And I think that really helps him in that 12- to 14-foot range. He can just elevate and then figure it out in the air. I think that's yep. why we see all those tough shots where his feet aren't even facing the right way because he just gets higher than his defender and then he shoots the ball. You know, He really shoots the ball at the apex where it's like <laughs> jumping and shooting are two different things for him. He jumps first and then he shoots the ball. It's not even like part of his form. And so I think the catch and shooting from three, that's not very – you know, you're not that, that's not a that's not a, a shot style that's very um, conducive to hitting long range bombs. Just the high jumper. I mean, we've seen a lot like, you know, when a guy like Jordan Clarkson, who jumps a ton on his jumper, 
we've seen him have like brutally cold stretches from three. I think for that reason, just because when you're up in the air so long, you know, more things can go wrong. And um, you shoot sometimes on the way down. I feel like you, you run that yeah, risk as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold on him. I don't buy the, uh, Oh, look at his numbers, catching shooting from three in college, a shorter arc, which matters. I think more for a guy who shoots the way he does where distance is going to like become a factor. B it just doesn't look right or super comfortable right now. And I'm not saying that he's not going to become a catch and shoot threat, but right now he isn't. And I'm not going to say that it's a sure thing that it happens. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't bank on it this year. I'll put it. And even just like the little thing, the elbows flaring out yeah. his, his wrist kind of, when he follows through his arm almost goes like concave, which looks really strange. Um, it's just, it's just not, it's not the most, unor- it's not really the most orthodox shot. No, granted, we just praise Kessler Edwards for, I don't know how many minutes and he isn't exactly the most orthodox <laughs> shooter, but I, I don't know. It's, it's little things. He comes like a good example is I, I don't remember what game it was. Maybe it was, could have been yesterday. It could have been against the bulls where Cam gets a corner three and he comes down on one leg and I'm sort of yeah. like, I don't really. That doesn't feel right. If you're getting a, a a look where you're not relocating, you're not you're not moving in any way. I'm not sure why you're coming down on one foot. Um, so that it, that might be a little thing, and that that partially I think that could come from what you said about him jumping so high. Is that there is more room to for things to go wrong? There is more room for you to yep. come down on one foot and lose your balance to a degree. Um, and, with, and with Kessler, it's more his body is always so square to the rim and his elbow is always so straight and in front that I don't worry about it quite as much. Whereas Cam has, you know, as you said, the elbow flying out, his body's not always square, which is why mm-hmm. I worry about that more. I have a question. How do you think that affects him as like an off ball spacer? Like, because teams, I think teams will and defend individual defenders still worry about him from out there or at least to a degree that isn't typical of his you know shot profile so far this year um i mean i think he's a guy that will merit a secondary closeout but i also don't like let's say you have a drive to the rim and he's in the corner i think the low man will come over there won't be any question about that it'll just be we need rotations behind the ball from there like he's not a guy like deandre bembry where you put Bembry in the corner, which, by the way, I'm. That's been a big. I'm so happy we don't see Bembry in the corner all the time anymore. Oh my god, it was like two months of like, why is DeAndre Bembry in the corner? Why was David Duke in the corner for a couple of games? It's so bizarre. Uh, but those guys where the low man is, low man doesn't even have to help over because it, it's already basically got one foot in the paint and just has to take two steps in. Um, but you know, there's no secondary rotations to figure out hey, we need somebody to sink down and, and cover DeAndre Bembry. Like, I think at least Cam's going to make that play. And he's been pretty good out of those situations where he'll either take it or he'll swing it. I, I The passing has been, it's been better. And he even actually had a couple reps yesterday where he'll have little, uh, I think he had a good skip to the corner. I want to say there was one to Kessler Edwards uh, in the second half. I think I'm right about that. I could be wrong. My memory is uh, 40th percentile. <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, he's, I, I have faith in him to make the right play from there, but I, I don't know about, he's not somebody that defenses are like going to glue a guy to, but right. yeah, I think he'll merit some rotations. 
I was going to say the passing has actually impressed me. Um, I think I'm a little higher on it because I've seen him get the ball from one side to the other, not just skip passing, but like penetrating the defense and then getting it to the corner after like, you know, sucking the help defenders in. You know, I think it's the classic conversation that a lot of NBA Twitter users have, like, how do you separate passing ability and playmaking? Like, is it tied into how well you can, you know, penetrate? And like Joe Ingles, amazing passer, but how often is he, you know, getting to utilize that passing ability by like pressuring the defense and forcing them to scramble, you know? Yeah. Is Cam is I think the the more and more he puts pressure on the defense, being able to just get by that first guy is making these really nice reads. I mean, he had one that I clipped on Twitter where he came it is sort of a pick and roll ish scenario where, you know, he came off some sort of screen and the guy dove to the rim and the low man helped over. And he looked off the low man back to the weak corner mm. before throwing the lob. Um, just things like that. I've been impressed with him like in two-on-one scenarios. Like he's not just, you know, head down, like tunnel vision. I'm getting to my spot. It's like, it's a two-on-one and I'll take my shot if the defender, you know, doesn't commit. But if he commits, like I'm willing to make this dump off or I'm willing to make the extra pass. So offensively, Cam has impressed me a lot. And he had a couple of nice finishes the other day. He had one where he sort of stepped around, I think, Valanchunas and like had a reverse right-hand layup. I think first make of the game. Yeah, it was his first yeah. shot of the game that he made, which I love. By the way, this is – here's another. Was. Yeah, it was. Oh. It was first shot. I, the only thing I'd say for him is like I want him to get to the rim like a little bit more. You want I him to see him drunk. Yeah. That's his big – that's the big thing. I think he's leaving on the table to a degree um, is – and again, like if he's going to make these 14 foot jump shots, great. Uh, but having another, being another rim pressure guy is going to be huge for the Nets. And it'll allow him to make those skips, make those, um, you know, passes to the big, whether it's a dump off or, or throwing it up. If, if you're with somebody like Claxton or even Sharp, you know, throw, you don't throw it up as high. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. I, what do you actually, what we're going to touch on his defense. Um, but what do you think of him as like his pick and roll game on defense my other, or on or offense? Off. I've been impressed by it. It's it's, it's I'm hmm. it's better than I thought it would be. Okay, um, it's better than I thought it would be. He's shown a willingness to look for the roller and read the low man. And right now it's not instinctive. Like you can tell, it's been drilled into his head. Um, you know, it doesn't come like so naturally to him where he's just doing these things on his own to me the process looks like he's thinking it like okay i'm coming off the screen i'm like intentionally reading the floor this and that so sometimes his reads can be premeditated he'll sort of stunt at him and then as soon as he sees that he'll you know he'll make the pass to the corner without like really reading him you know the full way through but you know, he hasn't been like the shot chucker. Like I don't, you know, I don't pass the ball when I come off a screen guy that I think some of his more harsh critics said he would be when he was coming out of LSU. Yeah. I think the, um, I've liked it. I've liked the, in terms of the, you, you, you at least don't feel like there's just a, a different levels of what you're going to get from him. The, whether it's a, you know, it, I, I just thought we'd get a diet of long twos, to be honest with you. I just figured he'd come off the screen, take one, two dribbles, get to the elbow, 
jumper pretty much every time and there has been some diversification only real problem i have with him right now and maybe this is only just because of i saw it a little bit last night he wants to like reject a lot of screens and he reminds me so much of karis like this i remember karis doing this a lot where karis wants to like reject every single screen and just drive came out a couple moments like that last night where it's like i just use the screen because it's going to create that advantage like you don't really have you don't have the defender leaning any which way um, and that's the whole point of like rejecting a screen is that you're rejecting right. it because your defenders anticipating you flying off a screen. So you're going to go the opposite direction of that. But he, that's the only minor thing that I can quibble with right now. I've seen less of like the, as soon as I create my advantage, I'm pulling up. Like, I think when he first got in the rotation, it was like, okay, crossover one more dribble. I'm pulling up from 20 feet, regardless of the, if there's a defender in front of me whereas there's more sort of probing to his game now mm-hmm. he like he's not content with taking the first open look he's like i'm taking another dribble and getting to 12 feet instead of 18 or i'm taking another dribble and forcing the drop defender or the big to commit to me before i make a decision i think that first you know that his first stretch of games we saw a lot of like catch one dribble pull up regardless of what the, de- the defense is doing um it just looks a little bit less scripted in his head which i like i think he just looks more comfortable out there and that is the plus to all these injuries and all the weird lineup things i think everyone should be comfortable in their role and they should know what they're good at i mean hell kessler edwards is going to have a lot of minutes by the time the all-star break is here i mean more than i think either of us thought cam thomas is going to have a lot of reps sharp bembry all these guys that you weren't sure if they were going to contribute. Now they know what they do and they know what they do well because the stars have been out or Katie about to be out Kyrie with the absence health and safety protocols. You know, if we're going to look at one, not to, you know, fully transition, but if we're going to look at one sort of all encompassing silver lining, these guys have gotten reps exception to Paul Millsap. I know free Paul. Uh, yeah, the other thing about that is that they've also stumbled into, like, it's weird that they have these, this class gels and just fits together so perfectly for what Harden likes to run. Because you have your spacer in, in uh, Kessler Edwards. You have your rim runner, which is like a legit going to set a screen and create an advantage for Harden. And then you have your, like, secondary scorer um, next to yeah. Harden, which I like a lot. It's kind of like your... your uh, Kyrie light in a way I, to a degree yeah. yeah you know so if, if he gets stonewalled or if he gets trapped like now you know it's going to go to to somebody that's going to create some sort of offense so it's funny that they've you know just by drafting the best players available they've actually put together this weirdly solid unit that I think has really been the best minutes we've seen around Harden at all um do, do you have any thoughts on Cam's defense for we kind of go to a more like macro topic mm, not a t- I mean, it's still it's still where I was in the beginning of the year. Like, I didn't realize he was this good of an athlete. Like, his first step, his little twitch is so good, and I think that helps him keep up one-on-one on defense. He's thick, too, kind of sort of, like, not just broad shoulders, but, like, really thick legs, and I think he's stronger than I thought. Um, and one-on-one defense was never going to be the problem for me. Um, yeah. Just like, you know, he'll get roasted as it is, but – you know, competitive spirit, cliches, whatever, like he can guard up. I don't think he's like completely wet tissue paper. The low man stuff, the rotations, it's gotten 
better. I don't really, it's like, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. I feel like when I'm watching film, I don't see a lot of great plays or even, you know, value added plays, but I also don't see a lot of cam. What are you doing plays, which in itself, you know, in and of itself is a great thing. Um, there's still a few, you know, moments where he falls asleep at the wheel, but by no means is he a liability. And that is a win to me. Yeah. I, I think that's a perfect succinct way to put it. Um, last time was interesting against the Pelicans. He had a couple he's digging down a little bit more, kind of showing a little bit more aggressive help in the post, um, which I thought was a good look. Uh, I'm curious to see if that, if that's going to be something that he taps into more Then then again, that also opens up the risk of him getting back cut, you know, on some of the things that we talked about with Kessler Edwards. So, um, it'll be a give or take thing. Um, macro topic and this will be the last thing because we've been going for what do we got like an hour is that what we're going on right now um what i kind of like their set progression this is such a nerdy thing to end on and i feel like i have to (laughs) kind of like what they're doing it's gotten cooler i mean immediately i think i don't know if it's just Kyrie's return or them playing more spacers actually well that definitely has something to do with it the fact that now they're more consistently with kessler and Kyrie on the road have two three four shooters you know next to harden but like it's just gotten more diverse it's gotten better like the chicago action for harden is still the staple um shout out to patty mills by the way great screener for his size like Mm -hmm. sort of a bowling ball just throwing himself into people understanding that you cannot set an illegal screen if you're six two or shorter um but yeah it's it's gotten cooler like they had the high horns with two shooters in the corner Yep. I don't even think it's been like super diverse or, 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 or funky or cool in the way that we saw some D'Antoni sets last year. Like, whoa, what was that? Like, that's weird. That's cool. Like, I didn't really see a lot of that scissors action across the NBA outside of Brooklyn last year. They brought that back a little. But it's more so the sets just make sense now. Like, they just fit. And it's hard to do that when you're not playing a lot of shooters. And yeah, there are some moments where like it's still why why do you have that guy there? Why is Ben why are Benbury and Blake sharing the weak side? Like what's good with that? But there's more stagger screens, there's more movement. Um as you said yesterday, Katie opened the game coming off an Iverson cut. There's just a little bit more flow and it's not very complex, but there's more things that just make sense in the offense, I feel like over the past five games like week and a half you know Kyrie's return essentially that Indiana game what I like about it is that they're actually utilizing their players you know and we can point out the different sets but it's not just hey we're gonna run middle pick and roll with you know Blake Griffin in the dunker and we're gonna have Bembry I mean that that that's, I think we're talking about the same clip against the Bulls <laughs> it's like yeah we are yeah, so, but they've started diversifying things. There's more thought behind it. Um, the great thing about their horn set is that uh, they can either run like a, a horns double ball screen or they can do, they can kind of flow into like a, a, a double drag where you have two guys setting screens the same way. Um, and it, it just seems like they're like, I don't know, it, it, it just, they feel more involved. Like it, it, and because of that, because they're making their, non-shooters more involved that means they actually get to put their good shooters in the corners but even little things like using kd off pin downs where you have patty setting a screen that's like something that should be a staple and i think they should run that 
to start pretty much every single game. And it's just the little things that have been sitting there like, you know, yeah, the spacing isn't great, but I do feel like there's been a lot of food left on the table and we're finally kind of getting somewhat of a, of a holistic effort to tap into that a little bit. So I, I that that for me has really stood out. I think that like in terms of things that have stood out to me, if I had to rank them, uh, the rookies, obviously, which has been the crux of this entire podcast, Harden's comfortability, and then I just, again, like the, the set progression and the stuff that they're running has just looked highly functional and just, again, like it's an entire team working together versus let's see if we can get KD going, let's see if we can get Harden going. Every player that played against the Bulls, I think, set a ball screen. I saw Harden, yep. I saw Patty, I saw Kyrie. Um, my one thing with the with that Patty KD pin downs, which I f- sort of first started thinking about last year in the playoffs when I saw Joe Harris set that and then flare to the corner, is you need to have some weak side shooting to do that. Otherwise, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like when you have Harden and then KD, Patty, and then two non-shooters, like Bembry and Blake, I would just, I think it might be better for Bembry to set that screen um, just because on the weak side, you know, the, the the defense is helping all the way over. And if Patty's maybe in the weak corner or something like that, it prevents them from doing that a little bit. But in general, I love the concept of, of a shooter setting that screen for KD. And the return of Joe Harris should be awesome in terms of this because he is so willing to set screens and then fly around the perimeter and relocate. Just, I can't wait to see how they use him coming back with all of these other, you know, guys that maybe weren't even in the rotation the last time he played. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, Joe's going to add a lot, even just from the perspective of just, again, just having guys that you can put in the corners that is just going to open up things in a way that, you know, you, you can actually use your, cause I feel like a lot of it is give or take, you know, we just provided an example of Bembry maybe being the guy that you want to set a pin down screen. Um, mm-hmm. Only thing I'd counter with that is you're kind of inviting a double team for Katie. And maybe then you have a slip to the rim. Uh, right. Maybe that's yeah. a tough pass. So even then it's like, you don't have to play this give or take game. You can have Joe Harris in the corner and you have Petty setting the screen. We don't have to worry about Deandre Bembry. Yeah. Um, doing whatever he needs to do. Uh, I guess the only other thing I would say, like, in, in general, I'd like to see, I kind of like the idea of Fembry not handling it, setting things up, but, like, you can use him here and there. That takes care of your problem of, if you're just going to have, like, an entry pass to KD to post up, maybe having Bembry just make that pass takes care of the problem of, oh, man, well, now we have Bembry in the corner. Like, th- those are the other little things I want them to tap into a little bit. They did that a little bit in the second half out of sheer necessity. So even little things like that. Uh, we talked about Blake Griffin. There's a guy that we haven't really seen handle and make plays. I want to see them get a little weird with the personnel because I think there's ability to do that. The the non-hardened minutes this road trip are going to be very fun to watch. Well, I don't know about fun yet, but very interesting to watch. Who Who gets more of the, you know, playmaking responsibilities who is trusted to expand their offensive game a little more by just sheer necessity Mm -hmm. uh that'll definitely be something to watch uh before i go or you know before we wind down they have 17 games until the all-star break 11 of them are on the road there are three back-to-backs oh yeah I'm I'm doing that for me. <laughs> that's not for the that's for me. 
<laughs> How many late games do we have, man? Probably, I'm shelling myself after this week. <laughs> probably, probably a few. I know they have a bunch at the end of the month where it's the it's the West Coast road trip. Which, by the way, I can say I can do 10 p.m. for that. I know one of them is against the Kings. That's that's you know I'll be okay there. But <laughs> starting on January 29th, they have at Golden State, at Phoenix, at Sacramento, at Utah, at Denver. That's Ooh. gonna be a fun week and a half for you. Yeah, that's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to that. That was my I did a podcast kind of at the tail end of 2021. Talk about things I'm looking forward to. And I was either number one or number two. So uh, that'll be a good stretch. We'll learn a lot about the team, I think, you know, by circumstance. I did, Actually, one last point for me before we get going. Uh, as good as KD is, I do see this team learning a little bit about themselves because he's the ultimate lifeline. Things aren't going well. Great. We're just going to give the ball to KD. Right. Seven possessions in a row, and he's going to dig us out of it. Right. This team's going to learn who they are, what they need to do, what they need, how they need to play, how they can get uh, Kyrie acclimated, how we can make sure that Harden's, you know, keeping foot on the pedal or is close to it, um, who we trust in these big moments. I think that's going to be a big advantage because KD is the ultimate plug and play guy. You can play him anywhere. Yeah. You know, if you're going to lose anyone, I mean, you don't want to lose anyone, but losing KD in a way hurts the team the least because he's the easiest to plug in. Exactly. So, what record do you think they have to be? Seventeen games, eleven on the road, three back to backs. No KD. I mean, obviously, I think for a contender, it's more important how you play at this stage of the year than maybe the raw wins and losses. But what is, I think, a reasonable goal for them to stay afloat before they can sort of reevaluate KD at the All Star break? Nine and eight, ten. And th- These are some tough games on the West Coast. Yeah. Um. Is 500 just the goal, or is that soft? No, no I, I think I, I think you feel like you can steal one of these games. Um, 12 yeah, and I, 5? I, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll say 12 <laughs> yeah. and 5. I think I'm going to be optimistic. This team just finds a way to win, no matter who's out there. Um, goal is to get Harden going, getting, get him going to that MVP level. If you can do that, you can get Kyrie acclimated. Yeah, I mean, we saw what this team is with those two guys, like, out of any two-man pairing on the team, or two-star pairing on the team, I feel the best about Harden and Kyrie, weirdly enough, which is the one that everybody said when these guys first came together, oh, do you think Kyrie and Harden are going to make it work? Turns out, those are the guys that we should have just been like, yeah, it's going to be cool. It's, it's a matter of the other guys. So, um, yeah, I, I feel good about it for that reason. Yep, yep. Ball handling, ball handling, ball handling. That is Reign supreme. Number, Reign supreme, probably... I mean, it's such like a stupid sort of binary discussion, but ball handling versus shooting, what's the most important NBA skill? Ball handling certainly has a case. Yeah, I can't disagree there. Um, Lucas, what do you got? I mean, we got the Sharp thing coming out. Anything else you're excited about? Yeah, I got Sharp. I mean, I, I've been collecting a bunch of clips, like watching pretty, like a bunch, you know, just slow film breakdowns of him um, from each game. So I want that out by early next week maybe middle of next week this week just so um just so it's timely and now that we actually have a few games of data and i've done one on every other young player you know on the nets it only feels right so that look for that i'm definitely excited to talk about sharp um other than that i think i'm just nothing nothing too concrete in the works other than you know the game threads that i'll post uh Mm -hmm. you know just generally being active on twitter talking ball um, I've been thinking about some uh, 
you know, larger, maybe NBA stuff, but maybe some, maybe some reflective pieces on like the all, once we get to the all-star break in a few weeks, you know, um, on just the stories of the first half of the season. But other than that, nope, not really. I'm just, I'm just along for this weird ride. Like every other Nets observer. (laughs) Where can we find you on Twitter? Lucas Kaplan, my name and one, uh, you know, it's underscore underscore Kaplan (laughs) underscore. Yeah. I, it was, it used to be Lucas Kaplan straight up. And then I changed my Twitter name and immediately someone grabbed Lucas Kaplan. So now I'm Kaplan underscore. At least you're not Matt Brooks NBA. It could be worse. (laughs) I was for a time. (laughs) I feel like every time you come on, we're just going to have a different Twitter handle. So I'm going to need you to plug it every time. (laughs) Good. And a different Twitter, Avi, and and all that. I I like to change it up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely follow Lucas. He's been doing a great job. He kept me up to date when I took my my leave of absence. So um, your threads have been awesome. Your work is always great. Um, as for me, you can follow me, uh, Matt Brooks NBA on Twitter. I'm assuming that's how you're finding this podcast. Anyways, uh, you can find my work on Nets daily. You can find on my YouTube channel, you can find a lot of my work on basketball news. I've been doing a lot for them. It's been a uh, very fun to tap into some general NBA work. Um, I'm assuming I'll do a couple Nets pieces for them as well, but, um, yeah, you can all find it on my Twitter. Uh, I, I try to put everything on there. I'm okay about it. I've been, I've had better years, but I'm, I'm trying to put everything on there. So um yeah thank you everybody for listening thank you lucas for joining me and i will talk to you all soon thanks again lucas